Hello and welcome to the Future Tribe podcast. Each week we'll be talking about getting things done. We'll talk to people who've built up their businesses, pulled off amazing projects and cover everything from psychology and strategy to the tips and tricks that will help make your dream a reality. We're the podcast that's all about empowering the optimists and the go-getters. I'm your host, Jermaine Muller. You're listening to the Future Tribe podcast and this episode is just getting started. Hello, Future Tribe, and welcome to another episode of Last Week on Tuesday. Um, this week, we're swapping things out a little bit, um, experimenting with a new format, and we're welcoming Hayden back. How are you, Hayden? Very good. Happy to be back, Jermaine. <laughs> good to have you back. It's always good to chat with someone versus sort of sitting there talking through the news uh, um, by my lonesome. Um, <laughs> so we spoke about having a bit of a different format. We're sort of experimenting with, um, giving you all, um, an idea of what we're, what we're going to be talking about today, um, before we actually start talking about it. Um, and we're calling it notable news or the notable news section. So on this week's episode, uh, the notable news articles, um, we're going to talk about some developments on, on our own end. Um, we also have YouTube testing um, ad buying. Uh, it's an ad buying tool that lets you reserve ad placements 120 days in advance. Nike buys their own agency, um, content, content sort of marketing agency. Um, Visa, MasterCard, eBay, and Stripe are also leaving the Libra project, which is the um, Facebook uh, currency project. Quora adds three new targeting options for advertisers. Grammarly gets a whole bunch of money um, in investment and WeWork is running out of money. Um, let's let's roll into um, this week's uh, notable news. So starting things off, uh, last week's newsletter, um, this is news um, on our own sort of front. Um, we're now merging the, the newsletter that we've maintained for clients um, for a while now um, and the podcast, it all sort of fall, falls on this Future Tribe banner. Um, we'll have a link in the description so that you can sign up. Um, this is sort of our move to consolidate things a bit more. Um, it helps us um, sort of consolidate our costs and expenses and lets us sort of manage um, one singular newsletter versus managing multiple. Um, the big thing here is um, Hayden may have heard me say it a few times to, to even clients is, you know, it's always easier or better to have one um, or less or fewer platforms to manage and manage them well than to have a whole number of platforms and manage them poorly. So it's more of a quick news um, on, on our end um, just regarding that. Um, but rolling into the other news, um, YouTube is testing and ad buying tool that lets you reserve ad placement for 100 in in advance 120 days in advance um tell me more about this hayden uh yeah so basically youtube are testing out a system where you can basically reserve ad spots like you can on tv and other platforms up to 120 days out so yeah it just helps with the scheduling of ads um you know timing them well with events uh in the article that we're referencing they use the upcoming election as a good example of when it could be used. So targeting political ads at the times that the elections are being held. Um, again, it's not something new. This is something that TV has done since the dawn of TV, but it's just interesting that YouTube is adding this now and it seems like a pretty, pretty big update for them and pretty important for advertisers on their platform. 
yeah, historically, um, the platforms haven't given you so much opportunities to sort of schedule things in or um, book things in in advance. So um, it makes sense for them. I think I wouldn't be surprised if this then rolls out to, it looks like there's already um, sort of a Google ads involvement in running these um, YouTube ads anyway. Obviously they're owned by the same company. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if moving forward, this is also then used to predict their um, their sort of revenue and then they can sort of ramp up any sort of advertising in the lead up if they, if they have a bit of a quiet period. Um, mm. But for everyone listening, it's quite a drastic um, change from what it used to be or what it is right now um, where if you want to advertise um, and you've got to keep in mind, this is not um, scheduling posts. There's actually running ads. Um, traditionally speaking in some terms of the digital marketing space, um, you do have to just, you can't really schedule per se. You've sort of just got to do it and click it and it goes or or you stop it or pause it. Um, it, it there's no, not so much room for this sort of planned in advance sort of marketing. But nonetheless, Have you done much uh, YouTube advertising? To be honest, no. Um, I, I've found that YouTube advertising is is generally hard to recommend for people because of their, um, because their targeting can be a little bit hit or miss, but saying mm. that, um, you know, Google of, I'm sure is refining the, the YouTube um, advertising sort of methodology and technology. Um, yeah. Cause that's what I've heard about it as well. I've heard about it. Like it's pretty expensive, especially for smaller firms that, to get any sort of traction on the platform, it's a bit pay for play. And the second you stop paying for it and they stop running your ads, it really doesn't help out your business that much. But I just wanted to see whether you had any different insights into it. Um, yeah, no, um, we haven't done much because of, yeah, that, that sort of uh, cost barrier. But, um, and I guess because it's video advertising, their, their shortest ads are still like 15 seconds. They can charge a fair bit. If you think about sort of advertising platforms as a whole, I don't think anyone, um, apart from TV, um, and I mean the streaming mediums don't really advertise uh, in terms of the, the video streaming services. Um, so apart from TV, no one really has you captive quite like YouTube does, um, because mm. YouTube can take up a majority of your screen. Um, yeah. So I guess they're justified in sort of um, asking for a lot of money. I think that's the, that's the thought process behind it. Yeah, I mean, now that you say that, it's sort of interesting to think about how YouTube can leverage the fact that they're probably like one of the top three, what am I looking for? Like multimedia, you know, not just audio, not just, you know. Yeah, yeah, multimedia uh, marketing platform wise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're it. I mean, like I said, apart from TV and and YouTube has all the benefits of TV without any of the negatives, you know. Mm. With TV, you can't click through and track that directly and take someone to a website. Guess what? If you click on a YouTube video, you get taken straight to where you want them to go um, versus TV forcing you to have to bring out your phone or whatever device. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, to, thing, you know? to bring out like, yeah, yeah, something that can to help follow you. it up. Yeah, yeah, to actually make a sale, sell, a sort of sell through from um, that platform. So, um, anyone listening, if you've thought about YouTube, I'd be interested mm-hmm. to hear, or we'd be interested to hear. Um, if it's worked, if you've tried it in the past, I think I'm now talking myself into sort of experimenting with YouTube as well, because, um, 
there's a lot going for them. Yes, it's expensive, but uh, the reason it would be more expensive is because there's more value. Um, so overall, it should equate to um, a net positive gain, if not a net sort of neutral gain. So shouldn't hurt you too much. Um, but nonetheless, would be would be interesting to check out. Um, moving on, Nike um, has bought an agency. Um, so Nike, uh, we all know Nike. Brand, they're a um, sneaker brand. Um, I, I can't think of anyone who hasn't heard of Nike, um, but they've bought um, a company called Trace Me, who who'd be better known um, by um, a service or an app called Tally. Um, so this app is a platform aimed at sports teams, broadcasters, and venues to help fans engage around sporting events. Um, have you read much into it, Hayden? Yeah, so originally this was a startup co-founded by uh, an NFL player, the ex-quarterback of the Seattle um, Seahawks, who was a very notable player, pretty big in the community. And it was originally basically about creating content, um, you know, by people who work in the industry. So the players, the coaches and stuff like that Mm -hmm. to give the super fans a sort of look behind the curtains into, you know, the life of a professional athlete. But uh, recently, they laid some people off, um, sort of rebranded into more of a into an app experience that you would you know, use on your smartphone, where you can answer questions and sort of I don't know play games while you're watching sports. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that a lot of um, broadcasts will ask you, you know, questions about the history of cricket if you're watching cricket, or the history of basketball if you're watching basketball and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and if you're watching at home, Jermaine just got it up on the screen. It is, um, it is a bit confusing, but uh, it's interesting that Nike's delving into this online content creation space so heavy and that they haven't um, brought on an external content creating agency to do this for them. Yeah, that's what I think this will evolve into. So um, we've talked in the past about owned media and sort of that rented leased media um, to quickly cover it off. Owned media is basically any sort of platform where you own own the whole experience and own the own the code base to an extent. And then leased media is things like Facebook and Twitter um, or even YouTube where you're not really um, owning much of it. Um, you might own the content itself, but it's placed on platforms that are out of your control. This um, I wouldn't be surprised if this sort of turns into um, a, a game or play by uh, Nike to then start producing their own content and sort of owning that a bit more. Um, makes sense. There are, what was it? Um, I think last I read they were 100 and, 120 billion, yeah, 117 billion US dollar sort of market capitalization, which is um, more than twice the size of Adidas. So, their, their creative, their agency budgets would be massive. Um, yeah. Obviously big enough to spend, you know, millions of dollars, tens of millions or hundreds of millions on just acquiring an agency and spending all that through themselves. Um, yeah, it should be it should be noted just for the listeners that this isn't like a, a, massive, um, a massive merger or a massive acquisition. The, I'm pretty sure the tally team is only about 15 to 20 people and they'll only be working specifically with Nike's Seattle office. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to make it out like it's some sort of huge... Um, yeah, like a transformation of what's happening in the content marketing space. It's sort of but, a precursor. Yeah, but it is indicative of what Nike is trying to do. I mean, 
they've recently had a big online e-commerce push and that has worked out pretty well for them. I mean, they only started selling like products on Amazon a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They're now launching like exclusive membership programs, um, you know, alongside all this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how much it pays off for them because I have no doubt it will. Like you're pretty smart people. Um, yeah, it might be sort of the transformation of, um, again, we we as individuals, um, I mean, even from a business point of view, I get told all the time to try and come up with a business model that isn't so much project-based, but more um, ongoing sort of fee-based because that is actually really good for cash flow. Um, so you can predict sort of what you're going to make next month and the month after. Um, we've seen Apple make this significant shift Um in that same direction, because if you think about Apple um, back in say the iPod days, the iPhone days, they're actually a hardware company. Um, yes, they had made nice software, but the software was running on their hardware and they were sort of a hardware yeah. business first. But it was a peripheral just, of, the, of the hardware. It came, you know, built Exactly, in. as part of the yeah. hardware. But now we actually, I think from, from everything sort of that's happening, it looks like, or it is obvious that Apple too is shifting to this. I mean, they introduced the Apple uh, Apple TV um, sort of TV streaming service, and yeah, well, and even Apple Music is like probably the biggest example of that. Yeah, how they're, now they're without even thinking this, about it, yeah, you get fifteen dollars taken out of your account every month. Exactly, you barely even notice it. Yeah, 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 and, and you know, you would think, uh, I mean, for the for the lay person, for the average person listening to it it doesn't make as much sense. Why would you spend 50, you know, why would you uh, want to get $15 from a customer every month versus say five or $600 from them every year? But really, um, and, and again, this is going back to Nike as well. They're looking probably for models where they don't rely on one-off big sales um, because cash flow wise, it's not as, um, not as consistent as these smaller sales per month. Um, yeah, so it sounds like and, Nike's and, sort of taking that angle as well a little bit. Yeah, well, jumping off from that, I think Nike wants to tap into sort of like the brand equity that they've built over, you know, their long lineage as a company. I mean, there are people out there who will rep Nike <laughs> till the death who have been wearing Jordan since like Michael Jordan was still playing in the league, mm-hmm. you know, who've been wearing Ronaldo's shoes since he was playing at Manchester. I mean, like, I think it's interesting. I would like to see how they get people to sign up for a subscription model for an athletic service. Yeah, you know, I think but I wouldn't be surprised if there's something, you know, you buy, you buy their new boots and there's a little little business card sized um, ad in there saying sign up to Tally and, you know, get 20% off or, or even if it's just sign up for free, it probably makes sense when I could offer this as a completely free service. Well, yeah, well, Tally is free to play at this mm-hmm. point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then they'll look at sort of commercializing it and making money through it later on. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a smart idea. I mean, yeah. So, I don't think they'll monetize from it directly. I think they'll blow. Yeah. Just use it to foster Build brand. Up. Yeah. Just, you know, keep people engaged in their brand, you know, when you're watching sports. I mean, like Nike's done a lot of investment in that, not to keep harping on about it, but they make spend a lot of money ensuring that, you know, if you watch an NBA game, they're all wearing Nike jerseys and they're all wearing mm. Nike shoes and, you know, and it's not that much to, it's not that much of a stretch to be on your phone with a Nike product in your hand, just playing yeah. a little game. Commenting on it. Yeah. Yes. Just keeping yes. you engaged, keeping you, 
you know, under the umbrella of Nike products. I mean, you were going to do it on Facebook anyway, right? You were going to, you were going to complain about the ref at the last, at last week's Roosters Raiders game um, on Facebook. You might as well, Nike's thinking, do, do that it on, on a platform with their own. Do that on, exactly. Yeah. Do that on their own platform, um, get an understanding. I mean, if you even mentioned um, sort of the, the sponsorship and being on jerseys and things like that. Did you hear about the, um, the superhuman who recently broke the two hour threshold for the marathon? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> that is crazy, man. It's in insane. Two hours. But can't he even watch a lot of movies in two hours. He was yeah, sponsored yeah. by Nike. And then you look into his video. I actually watched a, a bit of it. I, I, I don't know why um, I'm so into running, but I think superhumans, superhuman sort of feats are always nice to sort of look at and, and um, good to sort of remind yourself that. Um, wow, I can't do that. Well, you can't do it, but it shows you that people can do it, you know? <laughs> I'm not saying, hey, that's going to motivate me to go to the gym. I'll go for a walk today, but <laughs> it's. <laughs> but um, I guess my point was going to be that they were talking about um, his training regime and all the footage, everyone, you know, training in Kenya in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, and I mean, you know, dirt road running uphill and they were all rocking, um, you know, perfectly coordinated Nike um, Nike outfits with, the night and, and you know the camera was smart and was on the left oh, yeah. side where the Nike logos are obvious but that's that's their play and that's their branding push you know one could say the same about Coca-Cola that sponsors things like the World Cup and, or, or you know sporting events and you look at it going doesn't make a lot of sense um, because Coca-Cola sort of counter that sort of sports um, sports I guess yeah it's how like McDonald's is like <laughs> sponsoring yeah, same thing he's like yeah, it's sponsoring sporting events and you're like, what the? What it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but what they're going for is brand recognition and brand equity. Um, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, we're all going to aspire to run a, run a two-hour marathon, but um, we're never going to do I'll it. I'll get there one day, Jermaine, I promise you. <laughs> hey, I've never seen you run, so I, can't, I <laughs> don't know how you go. Um, moving on, um, last week we talked about um, Libra, the Libra Project, um, by Facebook. It's their little cryptocurrency, online currency sort of um, push. Um, last week, we talked about how PayPal pulled out of it. Um, I was surprised at the time to hear that, you know, it was just PayPal, so it wasn't a big deal, but I sort of did, did feel like it could be something um, that other people, other other big players will pull out of. And this week, we've heard, um, and when I say this week, it was literally just yesterday that we heard, um, or the day before, that we heard that, uh, um, who is it? Visa and MasterCard have pulled out. Yes, and eBay and Stripe as well. So um, there goes the majority of payment processes, there goes the majority of um, card issuers, and there goes one of the biggest um, online retailers in the world. So um, I think it's a good sign uh, for, for everyone else. It just means that, Facebook isn't going to be controlling yet another part of your life. And mm. um, yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, from what I've read about it though, people aren't totally sure that all these financial institutions pulling out is actually going to hurt um, the chance that this cryptocurrency will get off the ground. People are pretty certain that Facebook have the resources to um, go ahead with this deal. And I that the biggest problem that they're going to face is the regulation surrounding banking and, you know, right, this from sort of government realm. point is of view, 
is, is a lot more stringent than it is typically in the tech space because in America they're they're pretty laissez-faire with it. They'll let you do what you want as long as you're making money. <laughs> and, and I guess you know they'll they'll class it as innovation. I guess, um, mm. but um, I guess yeah, I get what people mean in that you know Facebook has the resources to sort of um, continue with this and to push this project. But on mm. the flip side, um, not having a whole bunch of supporters um, will make it that much more difficult. My fear was that by having all these other brands behind it, that we'll see this push of, you know, traditional e-commerce, traditional um, money, sort of businesses, financial businesses, um, pushing this would mean that we'd, you know, get this adoption rate that was quite quite a fair bit higher. But yeah, yeah. so by them leaving, I, I get the argument that Facebook has the resources to keep going. But, but I think it legitimizes them. I, I get what you're saying. That's that it. That's it. Having these names attached, even though it doesn't, you know, it's not really a financial incentive. I mean, the, it wasn't going to make or break the coin. It does, you know, give the consumer a bit of confidence because I think that's what they a lot of people lack with crypto. Exactly. Is because they don't understand it and it's attached to things like, you know, the dark web and all <laughs> and other nefarious stuff that people sort of have a, a negative outlook on it. But I, I still think we'll see this eventually, probably when Facebook gets out of court for millions, <laughs> whatever else that they've been doing. They, yeah, they're doing wrong. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I am still, you know, cryptocurrency is fantastic. Um, this, historically as well, we've, we've seen, this was going to be the first time from what I can tell um, where a cryptocurrency wasn't tied to a specific platform or business. Um, mm. and, but now it's looking like, nope, it's going to end up sort of being the Facebook cryptocurrency. So, um, yeah. we'll just have to wait and see. I think it's good for us all. Um, just one less mm. way to be stuck in, in sort of the Facebook world. And also if it succeeded, it could have been a, been a thing for then Apple, for example, to take up and go, okay, we're going to launch our own cryptocurrency. Yeah. And if yeah. it's not gonna, you know, um, maybe, maybe they're just too early to the game, but we'll just see how, how it sort of turns out. Um, moving on, um, Cora. I love Cora. Cora's um, added three new targeting options for advertisers. Um, I love talking about these sort of less traditional approaches to advertising and marketing. Mm. Um, a lot of people would love to, you know, um, advertise, but they only know Facebook advertising or Google AdWords. This is another reminder that there are all these other options out there. Um, yeah, that is just as big. Um, so, no, I haven't. I, oh, actually, that's a lot. I have to ask, like, certain very niche questions and like but i've only used it once or twice but uh yeah i mean it's it's interesting i don't i haven't read too much about the ad integration uh, mm -hmm. could you give me like some context on it because i saw it's now gender-based and keyword-based yeah so it's it's around targeting so they're letting you um target a blend of um well target the technologies using their existing keyword target targeting and question retargeting options um okay. but then you can also target people who've shown interest in a specific area so it's a bit more a bit more predictive but 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 it also sounds a bit more sort of we're tracking you to know what you're looking for sort of sort of angle um, mm. um so let's you say target ads um for people who've visited specific groups of questions 
um, say in the last 20 days, for example, um, Core has done very sneaky integrations where um, the, they advertise. Um, so, so on Facebook, for example, um, it's pretty obvious what, what's a Facebook ad and what's not, um, mm. at, at least is for me. On Cora, the, fa- the ads actually incorporate really well into the same format of the questions themselves. Yeah, they like blend in very nicely. Um, so this this option is just going to make it even more. I guess we're going to hit this point where you know how many of these clicks are going to be going to be not so positive for the for the advertiser because if I'm looking for a specific answer and you know you try and sell me on a product in that same area it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm looking for a product. But mm. you know, um, I do like Cora. Um, they're also introducing um, gender gender targeting. Um, I don't remember them or Cora asking me for you know what gender I am, but I guess again they can make assumptions based off the types of questions I've answered. Oh and yeah, I... types of things I'm paying attention to. Apparently, um, they've seen advertisers um, have conversion rate lifts of up to forty percent. Um, on their campaigns with gender targeting. So, um, yeah, that's a big, big difference. Um, yeah. And it makes sense, you know. The, yeah. Someone's going to advertise um, raises to us, but they might not necessarily advertise that to um, a female, um, at least not a razor for your beards. Um, so yeah. it makes sense that there's that, that increase in conversion. Yeah, um, it definitely does. The other thing was browser targeting. So they'll be able to look in look at what browser you're using um, or what device you're using and then um, target you specifically. I don't know. I guess they're talking about the capability being good for software that is um, designed to be browser specific, but Mm. I don't know that there are are a lot of that. Um, I can't remember the last time I went, opened up a program and thought, and it said, you know, you've got to open it up on Chrome or Internet Explorer or whatever the, else. The only two that I could think about about are like extensions that are specifically for Google Chrome, mm. or I could think because they talk about platforms in general, probably like an app that is exclusive to like the Apple iOS Ecosystem. platform. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, those are the only two I can think about. Yeah, but, yeah and, but, but then the catch there is though, like the app side of things, they could have targeted. Well, one would think that it's already an option to target the iOS app or the Android app, um, but I guess we're looking at this also from an from a you know, okay, Safari. So um, we can um, now target Safari, and then it's safe to assume that the person then wants Mac specific software. So yeah, I, I get what you mean, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Moving on um, to the last two articles, Grammarly gets ninety million US dollars. Um, in investment, I think that puts them at about a $1 billion valuation. I am hey. a massive fan of Grammarly. I don't know if Same you pretty much. Yep. Same year. And Big they time. keep just innovating. I, from the first, I've, I've been a Grammarly user for a long, long time. Um, they said that. How long is a long time? Because I've been on it for about a year and a half, I'd say. And I, and I thought I was one of the coolest cats on the, on the block. <laughs> on it early. It's probably been five or six years. Um, oh my god yeah so when i started using them they didn't have a chrome integration or anything like that um how do they work then if it's not an extension you have to copy into the into the um 
text box and then they'll Ugh. yeah yeah it was a very clunky experience <laughs> it's completely different now i mean recently they start they they um added google docs support um yeah it's and they added um a feature where it can detect the tone of yes, I love know, that what, feature. You're, what you're writing out which is again super crazy it just helps um, me check on i mean it gives you things like you know how confident are you sounding how how um how convincing are you sounding um mm. it's just like i i i get this whole argument i mean there are all these people out there who are against spell checkers um but for me it's just it's not that I need to spell check, but it just helps. It's sort of like blind spot monitoring on your car. It's not that I don't check my blind spot. It just yeah. helps to know that there's this second sort of check. Yeah. I mean, like it, 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 to me, that's exactly right. It's like, if you, you know, if Grammarly is used by your business, it just basically ensures that all internal and external emails that you send or memos and stuff like that are written professionally, which is something that is so important, mm-hmm. you know, in every environment and it's something that's like stressed to you as soon as you enter the workplace that like you need to be writing like legible well formatted documents to everyone that you send it to because it's what professionals do exactly it, it just helps ultimately end up more pro- looking more professional um and you know some people cold heart truth they just need spell check because they can't spell properly so it doesn't yeah. hurt um was there anything else you wanted to add on on the Grammarly sort of investment? I think, I think well, it's it inspiring was, to see sort of. Um, sorry to cut you off, but it's inspiring to sort of see a business um, grow in an area that you wouldn't have thought. You know, I don't know that anyone thinks that spell checking needs to be rejuvenated or. or yeah, what a what a smart solution to a problem that has existed for the longest time. I think what I was going to say, because obviously they've hit the $1 billion unicorn valuation is that their business model compared to so many other um, tech startups like them, or even like, you know, pseudo tech startups, like we work, which we're going to talk about in a bit, just how much more sustainable their business model is and how like happy for them I am, because obviously they make their money through a subscription model by you know, offering a free browser extension, getting this, you know, huge pool of users and then offering high-end services to, um, you know, their high-end clients. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think, like, it's a great example of, like, you know, what a way to start a business, what a way to get it to grow sustainably but also be totally scalable. I don't know. Hats off to Grammarly. I, I tip the fedora to them. Good on them. <laughs> completely and they've got more than 2000 businesses and institutions already using them so they're no they're not a small player they're i would say they're the biggest player in the, in the game um saying that like i said it's not a game that necessarily i don't know anyone who's looking for a good spell checker but i swear by grammarly um i i love grammarly i've used uh alternatives um over the years and i keep coming back to grammarly um yeah even paid solutions there are heaps of paid solutions that aren't as good as Grammarly's free solutions. So, um, yeah, re- really, really good to hear here. Um, but yeah, it just saw some some interesting, um, interesting uh, business news to talk about. Now, moving on, the last um, note- noteworthy or notable news article for this week um, is that WeWork, um, that I just love to hate, um, right up there with other unsustainable businesses that keep losing money like Uber and Tesla, um, you know, that I guess that's separate to 
the 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 change. They're not as bad. They're not as bad. WeWork is is bad, man. WeWork is atrocious. Um, I think Uber's almost up there though. Tesla not so much because at least. Mm. Um, but yeah, WeWork um is gonna run out of cash by next month without new financing. I've heard SoftBank, who sort of started this whole thing with their vision fund and coming up with crazy amounts of money to invest into businesses. I've heard that SoftBank's putting together a package to actually take over the We Company, which is who owns um, who owns WeWork, um, mm. and then you know, hopefully this will result in um, a resurrection of this business, or at least a uh, uh, the the um, an increased stability to this business because there's going to be a, a lot of people who are not just losing a, a job but also the place where they um, do business they work, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's a big blow to to anyone who uses their services. Well, not just that. I, I, I don't really understand what's going to happen if they go into liquidation regarding these long-term leases that they sign because obviously WeWork's business model for people who don't know is they take on long-term leases, you know, from the people who are renting out the office space and they offer shorter-term leases it, to, and break down the, to their the tenants into small, yeah, small chunks. Exactly, exactly. And in doing that, like, will these contracts become voided if... Mm-hmm they go into liquidation and then, you know, like the flow on effects that will have to the P to, you know, the workers, like you said, who now have no place to work out of because the shared offices aren't just, you know, hot desks, they're conference rooms, they're specialized offices. Yeah. Or they're large offices with, you know, teams of 20 in them. It's um, we work, we work was growing into these, you know, if eBay, not not that I'm not saying that eBay is a client, but let's say an eBay was to come to Canberra, WeWork mm. was getting into the game of saying we have you know this this office space that can accommodate 100 100 people. We're going to break mm. it down, and one of those breakdowns is going to be into a 20 person office, and then get eBay's eBay in there so they don't have to worry about. Um, any of the bigger sort of um, setting things up, setting up signage, setting up a new office, they just have to just pay WeWork. Um, so yeah, like, like you were saying, it's not just hot desks, it's not just even conference rooms, it's big established businesses that suddenly may, may not have somewhere to get work done. Mm. I mean, a big dent. It, it's an interesting marketplace to me because I'm not sure it's one that really... I think it's one that serves a lot of small players rather than, you know, a couple yes. of, you know, a duopoly or an oligopoly where you have three or four or five firms who, you know. I mean, saying that there is, spaces. there's Regis um, who. Yeah, well, Regis is the example of like the one who's doing it right. Am I correct? Like they're the ones who have even more office space, but were like valued at one tenth of the, you know, market cap that yeah. we work were and. Yeah, if you if you have some spare time, listeners, go like watch some YouTube videos and why WeWork sucks. They're better. <laughs> yeah, well, um, what is it? I think yeah, Regis is valued at something like five billion Australian dollars, and um, mm. they're a sustainable business um, who made an income of an operating income of one hundred and fifty four million pounds last year. So. They're actually making money that's <laughs> that's very weird for a startup yeah well regis isn't a startup regis has been around since 1989 oh yeah yeah yeah. they're a very established player it's um for some reason um we work we work was 
a traditional business. Um, I, I liked the, that you call them a pseudo tech company because they were mm. actually valued like a tech company. The thing with tech is that like a SaaS business or a software as a service business, you can multiply it. You can scale the business up without increasing. At no cost. Yeah, exactly. Low cost because you don't have to have, you know, if we were to expand and do five different podcasts, we need five different Haydens. We need five different domains. Um, whereas if, if there were no Jermaine and Hayden involved in the production of a podcast, it was just computer space. We just need five times more computer space, which is much cheaper. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you think about like PayPal, it doesn't matter whether there's a thousand users or there's like a no. million users. It doesn't really, um, it doesn't change the, the support side cost of, things, of the business. That's it. And, there's a, there's a very marginal cost increase. It's not exponential in the same way. Mm, um, mm. So we work was priced as if they were a business that didn't need people to operate it. Um, that didn't have to take on these big leases. In fact, WeWork, I believe, started actually buying um, office spaces and then they would also as a factor in the um, natural or the assumed um, increase of value of that actual space. Um, mm. And then they would sort of factor that into the value of the business. But ultimately, I think we've seen that it just doesn't make any sense, doesn't work that way, at least not at that yeah. rate. Yeah, and I, we don't mean to make fun of WeWork. I'm sure there are, like, many people who have been affected by it and, like, you know, our hearts go out to them. But it, it just goes to show you that when you market something um, sort of – what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, man, I'm blanking on that. Your marketing is something it isn't, basically. Yeah, like when you're, yeah. you're, you're going to be honest. You know, yeah, it's, it's dishonest because a lot of the language that WeWork used was very ambiguous very much like what a tech company would use and i don't know very misleading i think and it's sort of like a cautionary tale for people who are investing in these businesses and also starting up businesses yeah i mean about. just go slow and steady i think some businesses need need an injection of massive amounts of cash to begin with um that's a different story but if you can go slow and steady and grow at a natural rate then maybe go that way but no, um, that sort of, I guess, wraps up this week's um, last week on Tuesday. Hope you liked um, liked the news articles that we talked about. If there's anything that we missed, um, let us know. Um, our contact options will be in the description as always. And um, so will uh, the news articles and the links that we covered today. Um, thanks for joining me, Hayden. Not a problem. See you, See you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Future Drive podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. It goes a long way to helping us. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, email us at hello at f-u-t-u-r-e-t-r-i dot b-e. If you haven't already, become a part of the tribe on Facebook. Go to f-u-t-u-r-e-t-r-i dot b-e slash f-b and invite your friends. We're just getting started and we would love to see you there. That's it from us. I hope this episode has empowered you to keep working on bettering your future. It's a pleasure to have you as part of the tribe. See you next time.